Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. We're always delighted to have you with us. There's never a day that passes, it seems, without a major event or a development taking place somewhere. The world, some say, is upside down, but I don't think that's exactly right. Our leaders in this country are definitely upside down, and so are their priorities and their policies. They, most specifically the Marxist Dems, who now lead the Democrat Party, are beyond disoriented, confused, and lost. But China and Russia and Iran are what trouble me. They're doing what is rational and in their best interest. For that matter, so is Europe despite what our leaders here and our corporate media would have us think. How is Europe acting rationally in the face of the biggest threat to European and perhaps world peace since World War II? Europe is watching and inviting our impaired president trying to pretend to be leading the West in the Ukrainian crisis. And President Biden relishes, it seems, the fantasy of being an American wartime president. How many times has his rhetoric approached inciting war? And so, too, are his Marxist puppet masters. What is in it for them? And while Biden delivers some $50 billion of aid to Ukraine, Europe and NATO have only put a fraction of that forward. And, oh, yes, President Biden has more than 100,000 of our troops now in Europe. And Germany and France and U.K. say nothing because they wouldn't want to draw attention to their miserly support of Ukraine and their woeful response to Russia's invasion of their eastern neighbor more than three months ago now. And worse, a lot of Republicans have reflexively made it clear they want to side with this embarrassment of a president. The reality is this. Biden is a non-entity. Let me repeat that. He is a non-entity. And there is no broad popular illusion about his significance and the fact that he's not fit to be in the Oval Office. More than half the American survey recognize his impairment. Almost three-fourths say the country's headed in the wrong direction. And mark my words, those numbers will only get worse as the election approaches. The White House just suddenly delayed what they billed as a major presidential trip to the Middle East where he was to visit both Saudi Arabia and Israel. The sudden postponement and no explanation. No explanation whatsoever. There almost never is. The White House staff spends most of their time withdrawing, couching, correcting, or trying to interpret his bizarre mutterings and the occasional dramatic whisper. Nothing is getting any better for President Biden, his White House, or the Marxist Dems prospects on November 8th, five short months away. Biden's FBI and Justice Department constantly now 
demonstrate what a bunch of Marxist dim thugs can do with the levers of government power, ordering one of President Trump's senior advisors to be picked up as he was boarding an aircraft yesterday morning. He was taken into custody and booked in the D.C. FBI building, put in leg irons, leg irons, mind you. He's 72 years old, Peter Navarro. He was thrown into a jail cell. And why? What did he do? Because Peter Navarro refused to honor a subpoena from the Stalinist January 6th committee. The FBI and the DOJ are so politically corrupt, they're corrupt beyond salvation, and God help us. While Washington continues to confound decency, reason, and in Europe, confound our national security as well, there are Americans working every day who lead by example, who inspire with their selflessness and their courage. And among those noble souls, Chad Robichaux is at the forefront. Chad is a former Force Recon Marine, highly decorated, who deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan eight times. Eight. Chad has authored six best-selling books. He's tireless in his service to our veterans and to others. He also competed at the highest level of professional mixed martial arts and was a champion MMA fighter. Chad is the president of Mighty Oaks Foundation and the Mighty Oaks programs working to help our warriors. He's also on the board of SaveOurAllies.com and is credited with the rescue of 17,000 people in Afghanistan and Ukraine. Chad, it's great to have you uh, back with us here on the uh, Great America Show. Uh, how long have you been in country? I've been home. I've been home about four or five days now, and uh, back back from back in from Ukraine. And uh, and how long were you there? Uh, this trip, I was there for ten days. But since you know the Russian invasion, I've been I've been there. That would have been my fifth trip there, uh, in and out of Ukraine. And I believe we were talking with you at the uh, just after, well at the at the end of your first trip to Ukraine. Yes, Is that sir. Not correct. Yes, sir. That was uh, just after we had uh, we had grabbed uh, Benjamin Hall and, and recovered right. uh, Pierre's Pierre's body. Uh, I think it was just after that. Right. And uh, you know, God bless you for all of the work that you and your your folks are doing. Uh, it's uh, it's just been outstanding and uh, inspiring. Uh, in particular, with your your record in combat, the number of tours you've done, uh, I can't even imagine what kind of uh, strength that takes. Uh, but I salute you for it, and I thank you for it. Well, thank you, Mr. Dobbs. <laughs> Let's turn to the situation there. I, I mean, this is going to shock a lot of people when I say this. But right now, I understand millions of Ukrainians are trying to get back into Ukraine. Is that correct? It is. Um, the when I first when I first went there, the line to get in was uh, not surprisingly pretty easy to get in, but getting out took days. <laughs> Uh, and now, um, you know, thankfully because of the relationships I have, we are able to get through pretty easily, but we're bypassing lines that are miles long to get back into Ukraine. And, um, and I don't think it's any, it's because of any result of there's not any danger there or it's safe and it's, you know, everything's over. It's time to go home. It's because these people are inspired and motivated to keep their country, to maintain their freedom and to join the fight. And uh, there's, the, I've been around combat and uh, in war zones for, oh gosh, a, a long time now. And uh, you know, I've been in the military 
in or involved in the military for almost 30 years. And I have never seen a more resilient people than the Ukrainian people. I would say that before that, I would have said, and if, you know, don't, don't uh, crucify him for saying this, but I would have said the most resilient people I've ever seen in the battlefield before were the Taliban. And the reason I would said that is because their ideology, uh, even though it's so horrific and so evil and so dark, uh, but their spiritual resiliency of what they believed was so, I mean, that's how they were still standing after 20 years of just crushing them. But when we out, outdid them in, in technology and strategy and, and resources, but they were still there because uh, they were just so uh, resilient in their belief. Um, and you have to res- not respect that, but you have to understand that as, a, as an opponent. But uh, the, the resiliency and particularly the spiritual resiliency of the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian soldiers is something I never seen in, in 30 years. Well, you've had a lot of experience with both the Taliban uh, as well as uh, the Ukrainians and the uh, and the Russians. Uh, so I respect whatever you say and want to say about them. Uh, and that's what our audience wants to hear is the truth as people on the ground have seen it. Uh, you know, if we were talking, uh, you know, vague, vaporous uh, abstracts, you know, we could we could have a heck of a discussion. But we're talking about the the real world that you've experienced like few few Americans have. And so we appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, and by the way, I think the facts bear you out. Uh, the Taliban uh, has, has managed to uh, move the, the greatest military on Earth uh, out of uh, Afghanistan. Uh, with this president abandoning it. Uh, And there is a story here within that uh, that a lot of people don't know, but I'm pleased to be able to say to you, uh, to say to everyone listening, uh, that you're going to have an opportunity uh, to read a very interesting book by our guest today. Uh, Chad Rubichaud uh, has written a book called Saving Aziz, and it'll be out in hardcover, I believe in October. Is that correct? That's yes, the target date. It's uh, currently under DOD review, and uh, it'll be out in October. And it's going to really cover the, the the personal story of my interpreter Aziz, who uh, I did eight deployments with. He saved my life. Uh, he was he did he did over a decade with special operations, but all eight of deployments we did together. And he and I worked together. We lived together. We played with his kids and lived in his home, and we went on so many operations, just the two of us. And uh, and I could not bear him and his wife and six kids being left there in this withdrawal after six years of trying to get him out in the special immigrant visa process and has failed. And I made a decision to go back and rescue Aziz. And as I put my team together to do that, uh, we recognized the need was bigger than him. And we, uh, we launched an effort uh, through the, the Saber Allies Coalition effort to not only get Aziz, but get Americans and interpreters and family members and vulnerable people like women, children, and Christians. And we ultimately rescued 17,000 people uh, which started with an effort to just get Aziz. So saving Aziz was, as the cover says, the uh, mission to save one turned into calling to rescue thousands. Yeah. And it's really just that personal story of the journey to go get Aziz. And and all the we talk about all the political and uh, policy. Uh, I don't want to say blunders or hiccups, uh, just decisions that were made that uh, resulted in the in, in what happened in Afghanistan. Chad Robichaud, being careful with language. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, hicc- I hiccup uh, other people uh, or just, you know, describe it. And I'll have to make, I'll have to plead guilty here uh, in somewhat more colorful language uh, when talking about the, uh, the disastrous. Uh, it was decisions. It was, 
it wasn't mistakes. It was, it was decisions, uh, yeah. deliberate yeah. decisions that resulted in that. And, uh, and, uh, I don't think we, I don't think it was incompetence. I think it was very deliberate decisions that resulted in, in what happened. I, I agree with you 100%. And that makes me all the more angrier every time. I exactly. About it. Uh, Chad show give us your sense of where we are right now. Well, first let, let's continue in Afghanistan for just a moment. Uh, what is your sense of Afghanistan right now? Uh, it has the situation. First of all, how many people have we left who are still there uh, that we we have a, an obligation, in my opinion, a duty to bring home, uh, bring to the United States? Uh, and how is it going to improve? You know, uh, Afghanistan right now is is essentially North Korea. It, it is in a blind uh like it's a complete blind spot to the world because there's no, now there's no media there. Uh, the Taliban can do whatever they want with no accountability because there's no one to report it. Uh, so what you're having now is this new and reformed Taliban as, as was what we were told is uh, already going back to uh, making women and little girls uh, go back to, you know, full garb covering and burqas. Uh, they're, 20 million women that are stuck there, women and little girls that are essentially sex slaves. Uh, and and the, the Taliban that was before, I believe is not only the same, but probably worse now because they've been so empowered and they're in such a, again, such a shadow to do whatever they want. And, uh, and so I think the situation's worse. We get the, the same emails uh, that we got during the withdrawal. Uh, we're getting still every day uh, people trapped Americans that are still stuck there. Uh, when I say Americans, many family members, green card holders, even blue passport holders that are still stuck there. And I would, and, and I would say there's tens of thousands of our allies, uh, our commandos that we trained through special forces training, our interpreters that served with us for years that, uh, that we contractually are obligated to fulfilling those contracts to give them uh, citizenship in the United States. Uh, those people are still stuck there as well as their families and they're being hunted down and murdered or persecuted over that. And there's no, uh, I'm going to just ask the only way I know how there's no clandestine or secret operation, special forces uh, effort uh, to, to bring, to, to go in to Afghanistan and to help those people in the part of the United States. You know, there's not no, and I wish I was. I wish I was saying that in a, in a way that I was covering up for something uh, for the sake of our national security. But, but the truth is, there, there's not. And uh, not only not only is there not, but there's uh, almost seems to be a very intentional effort to just sweep Afghanistan under the rug, to move on, and uh, to not be able to have access to move these people. Um, there's organizations, NGOs like uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation and, and Save Our Allies that that had successfully rescued people during the evacuation that could have continued and could still be doing this now. Uh, but we cannot continue doing these rescues. We get their requests every day. We can't do them because we can't move people. You can't move someone out of a country without a humanitarian center to bring them to or a visa. I mean, that's called human trafficking. So we can't, you can't just take someone out of a country because as soon as they come out of the country, they're going to another geographical location, which requires a visa or some kind of humanitarian refugee center. And so uh, our state department has pretty much closed those doors for any access like that. And so even if we had the strategic capability to rescue someone or to evacuate someone, we legally cannot do that because we don't have a, a place to bring them to. 
And so those, all those efforts have been shut down on the NGO side and to the best of my knowledge. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope you and I are both off on this. Uh, there are no efforts uh, by the United States government to move and get people. Yeah. I join you. I, I get, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong as well. Uh, and I, I wish, you know, I guess I've got a long list of wishes about all of this. Uh, let's turn to Ukraine. Uh, you're one of those Americans who's been doing a lot more than hoping and wishing you've been doing and doing uh, the Lord's work for so many. Uh, the, the Ukrainians right now are about to receive another $50 billion in USA. Uh, this administration uh, is going to provide that aid under some uh, uh, in some capacity for some purpose. We don't even know what the purpose will be in, in many cases. Uh, give us your sense of what is most needed in Ukraine right now and, and whether or not the aid that we have in, uh, imagined and have now passed into law uh, is going to be wor worth it. Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say this because I spend most of my time on media bashing the uh, administration's policies uh, because, you know, I don't agree with a lot of the policies and I believe they've been harmful to, especially in Afghanistan. So I, I am thankful the administration is willing to make the decision and do that. Uh, and and uh, hats off to them. It's something America should do. Uh, I wish it would have been sooner. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are now. We're given that aid. I don't know what's going to be done with that aid. Uh, uh, none of us really do. It hasn't been clarified yet. And uh, uh, what, what I believe... It needs to shift to is is lethal aid. I mean, uh, you have humanitarian aid. That humanitarian aid need has really been uh, met by the NGO community. A lot of the a lot of the governments of the world have been working by supporting the NGO community. For those listening, the non government organizations and nonprofits of the world have uh, a lot of private money has come in. Some government money has come into those NGOs and really have done a good job of helping with the humanitarian aid, uh, food blankets, medical supplies, those things are still needed, but those things have already been happening because the NGO community really stepped up. What the Ukrainians really need is, is lethal aid. Uh, and uh, so that's where uh, I hope that money goes to technology equipment. I mean, I'm you know, just last week, I'm with the Ukrainian special forces and these are their special operations guys and they're lacking things like tourniquets uh, and night vision goggles and uh, ammunition and certain weapons and things like this. So... They're still lacking those those basic sort of materials, supplies, equipment uh, that you would expect any uh, special forces uh, operation to have, right? Exactly, and I mean it's kind of the currency for us to go in and, and help them as we we're bringing in a lot of that stuff and saying, hey, we're you know we're here to uh, to help now. You know, I believe the you know this package that you know the United States is pushing forward. Uh, I, I hope that and again, I hope that. It does include lethal aid. Um, that's essentially what the, what the Ukrainians need to keep pushing the pushing the Russians back and ultimately be the bulker between uh, the, the NATO and, and EU and in uh, Russia. Because we all know if they push all through all the way through Ukraine, then they're going to want that border further and they want more more buffer from NATO, and uh, that puts a that puts the EU and NATO in jeopardy uh, to be sharing a sharing a border with Russian occupied Ukraine. And so it, this is uh, lethal aid is so essential uh, in in uh, in supporting the Ukrainian troops. Yeah, I I am absolutely in support of giving uh, Ukraine uh, any military equipment they need, almost any. 
uh, lethal aid. Uh, I am highly dubious of the way, the way in which the United States has gone about this, uh, because I don't see when Europe takes over, I don't see the amount of money being spent by the European neighbors of Ukraine to provide for their security, to assure their survival through lethal aid. And we suddenly, the United States is acting like we're the United States of 19, well, say 1965 in Southeast Asia. Uh, we're suddenly the only force available to stop the uh, an invasion, to stop a, a, a madman in Vladimir Putin. Why is that I have the feeling that without the United States, Europe would sit on its hands? I think you're right. And I think this is where a strong leader is lacking. I mean, um, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of strength for someone to write a check and send it to Ukraine. What, what, what real leadership and real strength would look like would be uh, someone getting on an airplane, going in front of the European Union, reminding them of what's at stake and, and rallying them up to uh, to put a very hard line in the sand and saying, uh, Mr. Putin, this is not OK. Uh, it's not OK for a world superpower to fire uh, ballistic missiles into neighborhoods where women and children are. This is not OK uh, to invade another country. Uh, in 2022, this is and put that hard line in the sand. Uh, and it takes it, again. It's easy to write a check uh, from the one from the American taxpayers, but what real leadership would be would be going there and rallying the European Union and getting everyone in a unified effort to stand against Putin in this effort. That's what le real leadership would look like, and that's ultimately what I believe uh, you know needs to happen and could turn this around. <laughs> I have to tell you, there aren't many days that go by that I don't think about how President Trump would have handled Vladimir Putin, would have handled the situation that we find ourselves in, or would have handled the threats emanating now from Beijing over Taiwan. And I think, my gosh, this, this president that we have right now has revealed himself to the world, uh, his weakness. Uh, his he is dilatory uh, leadership, if I can even if it's that strong, yeah. uh, and to think uh, that we have so many so many resources uh, and so many strong allies in Europe that we are simply I, I mean it, to me it would be an insult if I were a European to watch the United States behave as it is like Big Brother one more time uh, saving the poor euros uh, from their destiny. And it, it, it grates, I will tell you, it grates because those, those folks over there, uh, the 82nd, 101st Airborne, sitting in the eastern flank, uh, preparing for what I don't know, but nothing good. Uh, I, it, makes me very, it makes me very concerned. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I agree with you. We've got a bunch, you know, a bunch of U.S. Uh, US service members sitting there on, on, on the border but you don't have their, the rest of Europe, Europe there alongside them. And, it, and uh, you know, I think this is, a, this is one of those situations you need a, a coalition effort of, uh, you know, I hate to go back to Afghanistan, but I will. The, the coalition effort we saw in Afghanistan uh, sitting at Bagram Air Force Base that we, uh, that we took away from the world, uh, that needs to be on that Polish border, that Poland border. And, uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, as I look at this, we've, it's as if we've learned not, nothing, Chad, absolutely nothing from our history, from all of those who lost their lives to all of uh, the, the treasure that was spent uh, 
uh, in Afghanistan, in Iraq. And now here we are with Joe Biden, who had, and I'm going to say this straight up in the midst of this conversation, uh, who had to lie in the third presidential debate of 2020 to become president and was permitted to do so by a corrupt Justice Department attorney general uh, mm -hmm. and FBI. This is this is sickening to think that this man is here by subterfuge and by cheating. He stole an election and we have to put up with him as a as a, as a weak and pitiful, disgusting leader at a time when we need real, real leadership, as you said, strength uh, and certainty of values. And we just don't have it. Uh, and we say we I think it's not just Americans. The world has to. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm in Poland. I'm in Poland, uh, you know, in, in Krakow and talking to people and, uh, and the people there are actually scared, especially the older people that remember World War II. And, you know, can remind you that uh, Auschwitz is right there, 20 minutes outside of mm -hmm. Krakow. And in there and they're reminded from their history of what the consequences are. You can't help but look at the consequences. You look at World War II and what happened there in Poland and compare it to what's, you know, on the brink of happening right there. And, and, they, and they've, I've been asked before, if it makes it past Ukraine, will the United States help Poland? And the, the fact that it's even a question by these older people, would the United States help? Is a, It just shows the confidence the world has in, in the United States and in our leadership. And, and uh, you know, we've, we demonstrated in the last year that we're not to, we're not a, a nation right now, and it, it pains me to say, but we're not a nation right now to be relied upon. And I think most Americans would agree with you, Chad. And and I think of all of the snarky sneers and uh, remarks from the left as President Trump called for NATO uh, to reimagine the alliance and to meet its responsibilities to be spending two percent of their budgets and to be caught up on their budgets. In, in, in straight uh, in straightforward terms, said to you, you know, to them that we're not going to be their bank anymore, and we're yeah, not they, going to, and we're not going to be your mercenary force anymore. Uh, and here we are. Yeah, and they tried to crucify him for it, and uh, and exactly what he was alluding to is what we're seeing right now. And he told Angela Merkel <laughs> to stop the the North Star uh, two pipeline because they would be too dependent on Russia for their energy. And here we are. Germany is basically sitting on its hands and uh, occasionally uh, breathing through their teeth at the prospect of in any way offending Vladimir Putin instead of uh, organizing themselves to defend a, a fellow European uh, nation in Ukraine. Uh, well, if, yeah. I, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, you know, it was President Biden that on the first day of office or his first day of office, he closed, closed the uh, closed our pipeline. And then the second day of office, he he uh, took away sanctions from the Nord Stream 2, uh, all the existing sanctions from Nord Stream 2. Uh, You're exactly pipeline. right. The Keystone was day one, Nord Stream 2, the second day. Uh, everything that he's done to roll back the Trump policies. And I defy anyone from the left, from the Democratic Party, the, the Biden administration. You're going to have to do more than lie. You're going to have to bring evidence. But come here and tell me where I'm wrong when I say that you, your administration, this president, has destroyed 
uh, all of the accomplishments of the Trump administration geopolitically and to the to the regret to the regret, I think, of the United States. I can't think of a single act that they've taken that is in the interest of the United States, period. Uh, no, I mean, we're we're buying we're buying in a, in, a, in the last year we bought, I think in January or December, we bought. 250 million barrels uh, of oil from Russia, 100 million barrels from uh, in January from Iran, and uh, and then even even three weeks into this uh, into Ru- the Russian invasion, we were still buying, you know, uh, I think 18 million barrels a month uh, from the United States uh, and Russia. So, and, and by the way, he's now added uh, Venezuela will be providing oil as well instead of opening up U.S. reserves, drilling pipelines. Uh, the man is uh, on a on a on a criminal. Uh, he's on a criminal mission against the country that we all uh, love and uh, have promised to defend. Uh, it's just yeah. it's it's un it's unthinkable, frankly, Chad. I mean, I just I can't imagine the time you've spent in the military, working for all of us, defending the nation, uh, defending American citizens, protecting us, and then come home and have to deal with this. Uh, it, it what hurts and what's scary well what hurts and what's scary is you know the relationship i have with the with the military still and uh and, and being around some very senior leadership um and seeing the you know our great american patriots actually uh resigning their commissions and uh leaving the military uh because they just can't do it anymore uh particularly in COVID, i've seen so many um you know i was on the phone with a, a marine corps colonel who spent uh, most of his uh, time in the Marine Corps as a, and was a, in charge of one of the top premier special operations units. And uh, he resigned his commission because of the COVID vaccine. And uh, he just could not, he felt it was, he was being tasked, not just for himself. It wasn't a personal decision. Like I'm not going to take the vaccine, which he didn't, but he said, I could not give an unlawful order to these troops to have them inject something in the body that I could not know it was, if it was good for them or not. And he got out of the, he got out of the, the military. And uh, so, so many of our great leaders and great patriots are getting out while the people that are staying in are people that'll, the people that are staying in are people that'll do whatever they have to do for their careers and put their careers before uh, the right decisions and uh, for our country. And so the, what the military is being left with is, is the wrong people. And, uh, and it's, it's really not only sad, but, but scary. It is scary. And, and I, I look at the debate. The debate is over uh, transgenders. The debate is over uh, who does what. Uh, who is responsible for the education system? Is it the parents or is it uh, the LGBTQ community or is it Hollywood? Uh, and we, we've watched a government, the Biden government, intercede between parents and, the, and their children. Uh, and, and I guess suddenly realize that that's that's one bond they can't break. Uh, it, it's it, it's just an appalling time in our history brought to us through the corruption of our electoral system and one and one party. Let me be clear. It's the Democrat Party, uh, a, a, a Marxist posing as Democrats. Anyway, as we uh, as we often do, uh, we <laughs> we always give our guests the, the last word here. Uh, and let me start with uh, first a reminder to the audience that the book is Saving Aziz, How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban. 
and uh, we are delighted uh, that you're with us. And uh, I will turn it over to you for your concluding thoughts. Chad Robichaux. Uh, I think my, my final thoughts are, uh, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of uh, things that are sad in our country that are may, maybe make us feel hopeless at the time, at, at, at times when we see these things going on in our country. But I just want to remind everybody that there, there, there is hope. Uh, America is still, despite everything going on in the world, in our, our position we're in, it still is the greatest country on the planet, not because of our government, not because of who's in the White House right now, but because of the American people. And uh, I, I refuse to believe that the majority of Americans aren't patriotic, God-loving people who have a heart for others and want to do the right thing by their country and, and, and for the world. And, uh, and if we stay the course and we don't lose hope, uh, we will prevail as, as a country and as a people. And uh, and this country will be you know restored. Uh, and I think God still has his hand over this country. I don't think it's been taken off yet. Uh, and uh, and I don't think it will be because of the because it hearts of the people. Well said, Chad. Chad Robichaud, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, God bless you. Uh, and I just want to say, and uh, as a postscript, uh, thanks for your belief, your faith, uh, and honoring what you see as your duty. Uh, you're an inspiration to us all. Chad Robichaud, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Chad Robichaud. SaveOurAllies.org is the website. That's SaveOurAllies.org. And you can pre-order Chad's new book, Saving Aziz. It's out in October. Tomorrow here on The Great America Show, John Solomon joins us. We'll be taking up the latest reporting of JustTheNews.com on the investigation into the Capitol Police illegal entry into Congressman Troy Nell's office and their apparent effort to cover up their actions. Also, John and I will be talking about election integrity and the latest disturbing reporting from justthenews.com, irregularities in a number of GOP primary elections. That's John Solomon here tomorrow. Please be with us. Till then, God bless you and God bless America. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.